Let me read this uh, passage here out of John. Um, John was maybe one of the closest humans on earth to God himself in the form of Jesus when he walked on the earth. And he penned this letter to us toward the end of his life, and he put this whole section in there. And First uh, John chapter 4, he just says, Beloved, let us love one another, for uh, love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. And I find it interesting that uh, God's whole plan and process is just beyond sometimes our comprehension. You know, man fails Him in the very beginning in the garden. And uh, I could use some keyboards, Tyler, if you want to stay for an extra minute. <laughs> Music is really like water. It just waters the heart. And, and it makes the seed go down. Uh, and when the seed goes down, this miraculous birth begins to happen inside of us. Something begins to grow inside of us. And... Uh, <clears throat> When, when God sent his son to the world, I don't know if you realize this, but the scriptures teach us that he came to this earth to take all the sins of mankind. All the sins of mankind. All of your sin, all of my sin, from the beginning of time to the end of time, he determined out of his love to just take sin completely out of the picture so that you and I would be free to choose to now follow him. This is what we saw this morning. The, the water baptism represents the death, burial, and resurrection of a person. It's exactly what he's trying to show us. What he's trying to bring into the reality of our life is this very truth. And, and, and his love went that far for us. And, and, and then he just simply says when he started his ministry in the Gospels, he just said, hey, just come and follow me. If you'll really follow me, you will see what eternal life is all about. <clears throat> I've already dealt with your sin. Just make a commitment to follow me. And it starts again. The second step is I'm going to go in there and I'm going to put self to death. That's what he says happens in the waters of baptism. And I'm going to continue to follow him. And as we do that, we, we grow in this relationship that we've been kind of, the focus this morning has been just that. What's, God wants to connect with you. If, if I'm here and I'm here, uh, I don't know a better way to say it, but if I'm here religiously this morning, um, I will totally miss what Jesus went to the cross to open up for me. But if I can come realizing that <clears throat> God wants to meet with me this morning and he wants to take the living word and, and make it real and alive to me. And I remember, you know, before, uh, before I was saved, I got saved at 21 out of a crazy life. And um, uh, without any experience of church, God began to speak to me and draw me to himself. And, uh, and, and, and it was like when I gave my life to him, it's all of a sudden my, the eyes of my understanding open, and I remember the first thought, one of my first thoughts was, man, have I ever been duped? I mean, I really thought I was so smart before, so it really hit hard. It was rough, finding out that I was duped for all these years, and I just didn't see. But that's simply how easy it is. The seed comes in, and it births inside of you, and all of a sudden, you see something you've never seen before. You experience something that you've never experienced before, and he never means for that type of experience to stop as a believer. Is this on? He never meant for this to stop. He wants you to walk with him and grow closer and closer. He said his glory would become stronger and stronger as we do this. 
But yet as, as Christians, sometimes we, we fail, we fall, we whatever happens, or, or we just fall into the trap of religion and, and we cease to expect and anticipate to hear the voice of God speaking to us and bringing more light and life to us than we could ever imagine. There's stuff that you still don't know right now that he wants to reveal to you. I mean, he really does. He wants to just, boom, just give it to you. And he's, and I, Paul says that at one point. He says, you know something? I have so much I want to show you. But yet you're still, you're still carnal. You're, you're, you're still a baby. So I can't give you that right now. And I'm thinking, wow, what does God want to unfold to you? What level, what place are you that God's saying, boy, I wish you would just open up your heart just a little bit more. Because if you would, I would throw this seed inside of you it would begin to grow and it would begin to do that it would begin the process of what the bible calls transformation and that literally word that transformation is taking uh, a caterpillar and turning it into a butterfly that's a miraculous transition how many realize that or a tadpole to a frog and that process happens, but man, I've got to be in relationship with him. I've got to walk with him so that he can put that supernatural divine seed inside of me. And a lot of that starts by recognizing what he's already done for me. I can count on him because he's already done that for me and he knows everything from the beginning to the end. And so he's not surprised by anything that you've ever done or will do. But I have to walk with him. I got to get to know him. I have to really come into this place where he never gets old. He never gets, you know, religious to me. But I really walk in this place of love. Amen. Wow. I just feel his love here this morning for us. That he he wants to 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 touch us and. In a, in a unique way, I think everyone's been through a challenging year and a half, and, and it has thrown some people off kilter in their relationship with God. And he's saying, no, I want to bring you back into that now. I want to bring you back into that today. And I hope you, you, you're hearing that through the worship and through the song and through what Jonathan shared. I thought that was totally powerful and awesome. Amen. All right. Thank you, Tyler. Let's give Tyler a good. He's, a, he's an awesome worshiper. It's good to have Andrew and Taviana here and all of Landon's family. It's awesome to have you guys here. Welcome this morning and welcome to all of those online. Uh, it's good to have you here this morning. And, you know, I get texts from different ones that watch us online. We actually, uh, our, our missionary from Bolivia watches us, uh, Roberto, and uh, some friends of ours in Idaho. and. Uh, Trevor's family watches in California, and the Lord is just really working in their life and really touching them through this, and we just welcome you this morning and just believe the anointing can go through the cameras. Amen. All right, you have notes this morning, is that right? Does everybody have notes? If you don't have notes, um, yell at the usher. Uh, raise your hand if you need some notes, I'll bring them to you. Just right up here is one. Uh, you have no excuse, John. You should have had one. You're an usher yourself, John. <laughs> Amen. Well, it's a good day. It's a good day. All right. I, we've been on a small journey here, and uh, it's been a journey through uh, what many call the Alps of the New Testament, the, uh, one of the greatest books maybe in the New Testament, uh, by, by many uh, beliefs and standards, and that's the book of Ephesians. And we've come through the first few chapters. The first three chapters uh, uh, have to do with what Christ has done for us. And so he spends three... Uh, you, can, you can even turn that one off if you want, please. Uh, he's, he spends three chapters... Um, just telling us what Christ did for us. And, and throughout chapter 1, it's in Christ, it's in Christ, it's in Christ. And then he talks about the importance of joining together as the body of Christ and, uh, and allowing him to work together in us and to walk together as a body and, and, and a reference to that. And, and then he talks about, yes, thank you. He talks about um, the, uh, the uh, fact that in Christ... 
we have this new relationship not only with him but with one another. And I believe that it's one of the ways that we can overcome uh, the very work of the enemy in our life. The scriptures say this. This is why you have a lot of challenges that you have. Uh, is that The scripture says that Satan plots against the righteous. He's plotting against you. He's not in neutral zone. Now, he has no power over you unless you don't know that and unless you uh, don't understand that. And, and if you choose just to follow the ways uh, of your own, as, as Landon was sharing, taking a season of running his own way, uh, it's, just, it's just really not good. But uh, God wants to give you the strength to overcome and the ability to overcome everything that the enemy throws at you. He has a divine way of doing that. And so now we're into chapter 5, and uh, what I have been doing is just walking through it, just kind of processing through these verses, and I hope that you can read them with me and allow the Holy Spirit to take them further with you in your own heart and spirit with understanding, because I, I believe that, as Isaiah said in uh, Isaiah 60, that the deep darkness was going to cover the earth, and even deeper darkness was going to cover people, and that, that means you and I. If we're not careful, it will, and we just absolutely will not see things. And so he starts out this particular chapter uh, in chapter 1, uh, and he says this, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. So Paul's arguing now that we are supposed to be like our parents. We are supposed to be like our parents. It should be that simple, that easy, and, uh, and that we are to imitate him because what? Children are natural imitators, aren't they? Uh, at the wedding uh, reception, we saw little Augie imitating all the dancers. And, uh, you know, he was just going for it. You know, he, he's got the rhythm and the beat. And uh, why? Because he's an imitator. Nobody told him to do that. He just ran out there when they were starting to dance, and he started following them. And uh, I looked at that, and I thought, boy, that's the truth. And that's really what Paul's saying here. I want you to imitate him He's your father in heaven, and you have this, this ability to do that because uh, children are to be like their parents. Uh, I read this one quote. It, it says, as we do imitate God, we become representatives of God, especially before those who have shut God out of their life. What, we, uh, what are we sent into the world for? It is that we may keep Men in mind of God. I thought that was a good statement. What are we sent into the world for? So that the world would not forget that there's a God as they run their own route, as they run their own way without him. We see a world now around us that's starting to really believe that there's not a God. And, and, and he's saying, hey, I want you to imitate me so that we can keep it in mind for them, whom they are most anxious to forget. If we are imitators of God as dear children, they will be compelled to recollect that there is a God, for they will see his character reflected in ours. I thought, that's a powerful thing. It's just that simple. Wow, that people would know there's a God because they see you, and they, and they see him in you and through you because you're like your father. And I, 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 as I was reading and, and pondering that, I kind of thought, wow, I wonder, you know, when people walk away from a conversation with me, what do they think? What do they think about God? What do they recognize about God? And, and, and how do I make them feel in the knowledge of their father? Because I believe the Holy Spirit is so active that if we will not only imitate God, and it's to imitate in a positive way, it means allow who you really are to come out. If we imitate God, then it gives the Holy Spirit something to work with, with the people that we are around, especially on a regular basis, that all of a sudden they will stop and say, you know, there's something different. And I, before I was saved, I remember that happening uh, at the place that I worked. There were a few Christians there. I didn't know initially that they were Christians until after I got saved, but I saw something really different about them. And then once I became born again, one of them actually went to the church that I got saved in, Luke, and I was just amazed that, uh, the, of that difference that I saw and I recognized. And it just was actually a piece of drawing me in to knowing my Heavenly Father. 
So, so our lives represent him, and he's just starting out by saying, come on, imitate him, imitate God uh, as you are just to be like him, and you have this ability to do that. And then he goes on in verse 2, and, and, and these are, I just gave you some scriptures and a place to write, and walk, or it means to regulate one's life, walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for an offering and a sacrifice to God as a sweet-smelling aroma. And so he's now calling us forward to walk in this love. And we'll see that this particular uh, portion of Scripture in chapter 5 is broken down into three pieces. It's the, uh, that, that we can follow and we can recognize where God's taking us. He's saying, I want you to walk in love. And then we're going to see he wants us to walk in light. And then he's going to want us to walk in wisdom. And I hope you can grab that out of here. But he starts about this thing about regulating our lives. Now, I think this is a real issue in today's culture because as Paul talks about in Romans, he says, hey, it's real easy to be squeezed into the mold to be conformed into the mold of this world. Matter of fact, you might not even recognize it happening because it just kind of slowly begins to squeeze you in. And pretty soon, where you used to think like Christ, now you're starting to think like the world thinks. Where you used to really understand the word and the word came to you quickly about life, all of a sudden now it seems to be a slower pace. And you seem to maybe take longer to just recognize what is God and what isn't God saying as I'm listening. And, and so he comes and he says, I want you to regulate your life. And then he kind of decides, let's just make this really simple and let's make this really clear. And now I, 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 in, in the day that we live in, I'm understanding why he's saying that. As I'm looking out on the landscape of Christianity, uh, I'm understanding why he says what he's about to say. And it's very clear. It's very straightforward. It's very strong. But it's very needed. Because he is our plumb line. Jesus is the plumb line. How many would agree with that? Anybody? He's it. So we, we, we want to follow him. We don't want to lean over to the world. And it's easy. Uh, I used to play pool a lot. And, and I remember the first thing, especially at a, a cheap bar pool room, <laughs> the first thing you do is you go try to find a straight stick. And it's kind of hard to do in one of those settings. But you'd take those sticks and you'd lay them on the table and you'd roll it across the table. And what might have looked straight, you can just see it. Boom, boom. Well, and and you, you just had to test several of them to find the straight one because sometimes it was a little bit hard to tell by just looking. And this is what he's doing now. He's giving us the plumb line. And I, I want to say this. He's going to be very straightforward with us. And, and it, should, it should reinforce something of his true nature that's in us. It should reinforce that because that's who you are supposed to be. That's who you are in Christ. And, and so we're able to do this thing. We're able to walk this out. We're able to understand it. We're able to walk toward it. But with darkness coming, all of a sudden now, I'm seeing these things become kind of fuzzy or possibly even uh, redefined. Oh, well, it doesn't mean this. It means this. Oh, we don't mean that. It must mean this. Oh, God wouldn't be that mean. But can I just tell you, Everything, even, even if you look at the Ten Commandments, every one of those are for your well-being. How, how many realize that? Somehow it's got, oh, don't, the law, you know. Come on, think about it. Aren't you glad that he said, thou shalt not murder? I am. I mean, I'd hate to come here in church and have you not believe that. <laughs> it could make it scary. You know what I'm saying? And so every one of those things that, that we somehow negatively call the law is really for our benefit, and it's for our well-being, and it's for our health, it's for everything. So he goes on to say this, walk, walk according in, in love as Christ has also loved us and given himself according as an offering and a sacrifice of God for a sweet-smelling aroma, aroma, verse 3. But fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not be named among you as is fitting for saints. Verse 4, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, uh, which are not fitting, but rather give thanks for this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance 
in the kingdom of Christ and God. Aren't we glad we're past that verse? Well, we're not quite past it. I just want to make some definitions for us. I really feel, you know, truth sets us free sometimes. When we get snared in things, it's the truth that will come now and set us free. And if we're ensnared with some of these things, then uh, the truth this morning can set us free. Listen to what the word fornication in the Greek is uh, pornea. It's where we get the word porn or pornography. And it just simply means illicit sexual intercourse, <clears throat> adultery, homosexuality, uh, lesbianism, intercourse with animals, etc. So it, ha- it just kind of covers the entire gamut of, of what, uh, what is wrong sexually in, in God's perspective and in his makeup for his, for his people. And for really for everyone, but we're talking to his people this morning. And the second word that he uses is uncleanness. Uh, and what that is, is it's in a moral sense. It's an impurity of lustful, luxurious, immoral living. In other words, there's a, there's a moral weakness there. Covetousness is just simply a greedy desire to have more. Just to have more. I just want more. I want more that satisfies me, more that pleases me. Filthiness is, uh, and and I'm glad he throws these in. Filthiness is just obscenity and vulgarity. You know, it it oftentimes will start with that. We just start hearing this language or we accept this language or before we know it, we're, we're using language we used to use before we were saved. And all of a sudden we're doing it. I remember uh, maybe about three weeks after I was saved, I'm witnessing to my neighbor. And we lived in a duplex and we faced each other. And so I'm, I'm happy about Jesus and, and I'm witnessing to him. And in the middle of my sentence, the F word flew out. And I can remember just about melting in the driveway. It's like, oh my goodness, what did I just say to you? Um, he didn't flinch, you know, it didn't matter to him. Uh, I used it all the time before, a week before, so it didn't matter. But, but I, I, he wants us to change that and not to slip back into it and get into this place where we're using vulgarity and obscenity. And then he uses unclean person, just a reinforcement. It's in a moral sense, unclean in thought and in life. So he takes it all the way to the very, very core of it, and he brings it home to us. Why? Because he knows that if we will uh, uh, resist and not do those, we will experience a greater life with God. Okay? Does everybody really get that? It's not out of meanness that he's telling you this. <laughs> he's telling you this out of love. And so he's bringing this plumb line here because he's in Ephesus where they had a lot of issues with a lot of idols, and a lot of their idols were sexual. So the entire city was coated with these idols all over the place, sexual idols and, and, and uh, you know, porn shops and massage parlors and the whole thing, really much like what we're experiencing today. It's all around us. Right? It's on the program. It's everywhere we go. And so he's addressing this. He's just saying, you know, don't fall prey to that. It's not normal. It's becoming the norm out there, but it's not normal and it's not fitting for those that would imitate God. And, and, and he's just trying to reel it back in just because it's, it is. It's just, you know, you hear, you know, you hear so many different stories on it. You hear so many different things. And if you ever Google it, you know, you'll find somebody that would believe it, that would claim to be a believer. And they'll say, yeah, oh yeah, that's fine. And then, you know, Paul didn't really mean that. Or uh, as I have heard a year or so ago, we must interpret the Bible, translate the Bible according to the culture. So if the culture is going there, we have to follow that. This is a real teaching And it's just opened the door for everybody doing what they want to do. This is Ephesus. Ephesus, I believe, is much, in in Paul's day, is much like what we're living in today. How many know you have to resist pornography on your phone and computer? And if you don't, guess what? You're going to see it. You're going to have it. You cannot just sit passive. But you have to do something about it. And this is what Paul's addressing. He says, I just want to be really clear here. Uh, about these things. 
And, I, and, and again, I, he's, he, he's doing it because of the culture that he lives in, and we're in that same culture. And then he goes on in verse 6, and he says, is that very clear? You just read through those definitions yourself. I might have put them on there for you just because I thought you'd want them. But if we just get this settled, no, God, don't steal. Don't let, let us be stolen and robbed and deceived. And then that's what he goes on to say. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. In verse 7, therefore do not be partakers with them. The word partakers there simply means don't begin to partner with them. Don't begin to partner with them. Don't be a partner with them. Let those things, push those things away. Get away from them. And why? Because Romans 8, 17 and earlier in Ephesians we saw that we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. See, we're not joint heirs with the world, but we're to be joint heirs with Christ. And, 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 and when we do that, then we are partnering with him. And then he steps into verse 8, and he talks about walking in the light. For you were once in darkness, or really he doesn't say you were once in darkness. He says you were once darkness. But now you are light. I always kind of thought in my head, you know, that we go into the light and that type of thing. But it just says we are light in the Lord, so walk as children of light. And, and, and so he's talking about this as, as, as us trying to make, helping us to understand we're either going to be light or we're going to be dark. It's not like we're in something. It's we are, we are it. We either allow ourselves to be one or the other. And the word light is, is, is phos. It means emitted by a lamp or a heavenly light. The root word has to do with to shine or to make manifest. I talked a while back about how your eye works. When you walk into a dark room, your eyes switch into a night vision setting. And if you're in that darkness long enough, then all of a sudden something Something happens in the back of your eye that helps you to see in darkness even clearer. But you have to have some light to see anything. And that's what he's saying to us. You are in the world as light. And I believe that if we can understand this, then we go into the world, we can recognize potentially if we are imitating God, that people around us are all of a sudden their darkness and their light night, their night vision that isn't working all of a sudden begins to work and they are able to see what's truth, what is truth. I think, wow, what a simple thing for us to actually do. And he, and he goes on in Matthew chapter 5 on the Sermon of the Mount, which we would all be familiar with. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. It gives light to all that are in the house. You get that? See what that light, your light is doing? It's bringing light into all of the house, which gives people the ability to see past the deception and the darkness. Because what does the Bible teach that Satan, what, blinded their eyes? So now just think, I want you to envision this. You're in this group of people that are in total deception and darkness. You walk in and all of a sudden your light begins to shine. And all of a sudden they're able to begin to see. And I'm just thinking, God, if we only really, if we only really walk this thing out on a daily basis, how awesome and what a difference we could all make out into the world. Instead of being mad at them, let's just recognize that Satan's blinded their eyes. Instead of being mad at the world and how stupid they can be, let's just recognize they're blind. And we have this ability to step in and help them and love them. And, and in verse 9, he says, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Verse 10, finding out what is, uh, what is acceptable to the Lord. Um, I, I think that when, when we look at the landscape of life, what we find is that it's very easy to be conformed to this culture. Would anybody agree with that? It's just easy to do that. How, how many like the good things that the culture does offer? You guys are lying in church. Um, <laughs> but he's already forgiven you, so you're clear, okay? But you got to get it right. But really, we, we are conformed to this culture, and, and it's funny how things go back and forth. People go from legalism, 
uh, to antinomianism. And, and they go back and forth and back and forth. And, and, and we see this in parenting a lot. If you're a real strict legalistic parent, your kids are probably going to do the opposite and let their kids go way out. How many have ever had a... I better not ask that because some parents are here with you. But this is the truth, and we've seen it happen, and, and, and your kids will just grow up. If you're, if you're real liberal and, they, and you let them do anything they want to do, they end up finding out and forth, yes, that is, and then they become really strict on their kids. And we, we just kind of go back and forth, and we do that in Christianity, too. They're real legalistic with people, and then the next thing you know, you know they, 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 they can't live up to that, and so they swing way over here, and just anything goes. And it's, a, it's important for us, and this is what he's saying, find out what is acceptable to the Lord. And, and, and how do we do that? How do we find that out? And how do we walk in him and, and know that this is what God wants? And I, has anybody ever found out something the hard way? Okay. He's trying to help us here. This is what he's trying to do. Do what's acceptable to him. He doesn't want you to find it out the hard way, but, but you do. Have you ever touched something that's too hot to see if it was hot? <laughs> you know, whatever the case may be, you know it when it happens and you want to avoid that. And he's just saying, hey, just there's an acceptable place to the Lord. And then verse 11, he says, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by what? The light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Now he's talking to the individual here, and the word fellowship here is a little bit different than the word partake. Remember he said to partakers, don't be partakers of these things. And now he's saying don't fellowship in them. Or what that means there is don't be entertained by them. Listen to, to what he's saying there. He's taking this to a step deeper here. How often would we not do certain things, but yet we love to watch those things? And this is what he's saying. Don't have that type of fellowship with those. You know, I, I just think we're, we're sometimes we struggle to be believers because we don't grasp just a few of these things and set some disciplines in our life that will keep us from the thing that drives us to feel like we have to do the other thing. And by that I mean this. In your head, okay, there's a little person that runs around in there. Some of you talk to him. Some of you talk to him too much. Uh, but there's that little person in there, and whenever something happens in your life, that little person races back to a set of file cabinets and grabs the response to that situation for you. So whatever you fill that with is potentially what's going to lead you into the place you probably don't want to be. So if I throw a rock at you right now, what's going to happen automatically? Right? If somebody goes to throw a punch at you, this is, you're going to automatically do that. It races back, gets the answer, comes back, and does, says, raise your hand. When your brain isn't functioning properly, that doesn't happen. But when it is, it does. And this is what he's saying. Don't, don't have fellowship with these things. You need to uh, maybe not be entertained by them as much as you're entertained by them. Because we're filling our file cabinets continually. And, and, and those file cabinets are bringing our responses to us in all of life. Why do you get mad about certain things? Why do certain things really upset you, but they would never upset somebody else? You know, why? Because the file cabinet's filled with the wrong answer. And it, it needs to just be uh, transformed, right, by the renewing of the mind. Paul says that. It, it's, 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 I'd like to say it's simple because it is simple, but it's kind of not simple. Revelation 18.4 says, Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues. So he's calling us out of this thing. He's trying to help us to be that imitator of God that he said we are and that we can be. And, and uh, verse 14, he starts talking now about revival. He says, Therefore he says, Awake. You who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. 
The word sleep there uh, in, the, in the Greek understanding in this day, uh, which applies for today, is spiritual apathy, indifference, and laziness. As I read those definitions, I, I thought, wow, sometimes just laziness can get us into a bad place. Just me not wanting to do something. I just, you know, I, I don't want to get up maybe in the morning and spend a little bit of time with God. And, you know, I have time to do everything else. I have time to read books, check Facebook, and all of this. But yet, when it comes right down to, you know, I'm just going to get up in the morning. I'm going to begin to spend some time with God. I, I, I struggle with that. Why do I struggle with that? You know, why is that? Well, I, I may be falling asleep. I might just be getting a little bit tired. Maybe the race has been a little bit long for me. And so now all of a sudden, the spiritual apathy begins to settle in. And, and the word can also mean this, unprepared or unaware. It's a spiritual dullness which causes a lack of watchfulness, a spiritual dullness that lacks a, a watchfulness. And so it, it sometimes will get us into a place, and this is what Paul says in Romans 13. He says, and do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off those works of darkness that he describes earlier. Let us put on the armor of light, and then let us walk properly as in the day, not in rivalry, not in drunkenness, not in lewdness, not in lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Make no provision for the flesh. If your flesh is strong in an area, then you're making provision for it. And this is what he's saying. Don't make any provision for it. And, and, uh, and, uh, and to fulfill its lust. So we talked walking in love, walking in light. Now let's just take a few minutes as I wrap this up this morning. Walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom. Verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Uh, circumspectly just means accurately, diligently. First uh, uh, Thessalonians 5.2, I think I put that on your notes there. Do not deviate from your path of duty is what he's trying to say. Don't deviate from your path of duty. And the illustration of this um, is this. How many know the story about David and Bathsheba? Remember that story? He was uh, at his castle. He sent everybody out to, because this is what he said. He sent everybody out to war. He should have gone with them, okay? But he didn't. He stayed there. And because he stayed there, he positioned himself to see Bathsheba over the wall and ended up, you know, the end of that story. But he positioned himself for that. And this is what he's saying. I want you to walk circumspectly. Don't deviate from your path of duty. Get on the road. John 9 verse 4 says this. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night comes where no man can work. John chapter 12 and verse 35. And then Jesus said unto him, yet a little while is light with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness would come upon you. So he's talking about now uh, me redeeming the time and allowing myself to uh, find out what God wants me to do. What does God want you to do in your life? And I mentioned this last week. So many people, so many believers that I've run into and talked to have no clue that God has a plan and a purpose for their life. You're not just here as a nothingness. <laughs> You're not here just to do nothing. You're here to fulfill a plan and purpose that he has in mind. And, and, and honestly, when you step into that, it's the happiest you'll ever be. Most of the time. Most of the time. Sometimes it gets a little bit to be a struggle because you're trying to figure it out. But what he's saying here is I, I want you to get on this pathway that I have for you. I want you to know what the will of the Lord is for your life. And I don't ever want you to stop and give up on it. There'll be times you don't understand it. There'll be seasons that are frustrating. But man, if you'll just keep that mindset, nope, I'm going to 
do the will of God. I'm going to do the will of God. I'm going to do, you, guess what? You're going to end up doing the will of God because the Holy Spirit helps us to do that. He goes on in verse 17, and it just says, Therefore, do not be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And I thought, wow, God, that always seems to be so hard for us. I mean, how many people, you might even ask yourself, what's the will of God for me today? What's, what is the will of God for me? And hopefully that is a question in your heart because that means you're pursuing it. But it's, it's a question. And, and the word unwise there, it just simply means uh, that it's without reflection or without consideration. And you say, don't be unwise. Don't be without reflection. Don't be without consideration. And he goes on to say, but understand or put the pieces together. I've come to find out that as I follow Christ, that if I will reflect and put the pieces together, that it's like a puzzle sometimes. And he begins to fit them together, and all of a sudden I can see, oh, that's what I needed, or oh, that's what he was doing, and that's what I needed, you know. And, and, and it's, always, it's always good. It's a good outcome. But he says, I want you to understand or put it together. Uh, Romans 12, you know, we, we all know this here. Um, I like it in the Passion Translation. It says, Romans 12 too, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. So we have to set something here. Got to do something. In all your ways, acknowledge him and what? He will direct you. Proverbs chapter 3, 5 and 6. But I got to put my attention on it. I got to begin to allow myself to say, God, what, what is it that you really have for my life? And how can I, this is me saying it, Lord, how can I fulfill that? Because in my heart, there's nothing more, when I'm in my right mind, okay, <laughs> there's nothing more important to me than pleasing my heavenly father who went to the sent his son to the cross to die all of, for all of my sins so I could have eternal life there's nothing more important to me when I'm thinking clearly than that right there and I find when I do that God is just right there he loves that he loves that heart he loves that attitude um, he's with us he's there to help us and then uh, just one last verse I want to take a moment and focus on is verse 18 the other, there's some lines behind some verses that you can uh, look up, and I think they'll speak to you about, you know, how do you know the will of God? The scripture is pretty clear on what steps I can take to find that. Verse 18, and don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. And that word filled just means uh, I, I'm, I'm full to the brim. I'm so full of the Spirit. I'm so full of God because I've given Him my whole attention, my whole heart, everything about me. I've chosen to let His will be above my own will, and I've decided that I was going to just follow Him with everything that's within me. I'd like you just to close your eyes for just a moment. I want you to just take a second, and I, I want... I want to just ask us this question. This is the question I felt so strong coming into this this morning. Besides recognizing his voice and presence, do you understand your purpose? Do you understand why God created you and why you are in this time in history even? Why are you here this specific season of history? He created you to bring him into this culture, to take that light into the culture. And, and do you understand that? Do you recognize that? I really feel, and those of you online watching uh, with you also, uh, I really believe that, that, that God will just kind of miraculously begin to lift the veil for you if you just ask him this morning. And again, it doesn't matter how old you are. Remember Abraham, 75 years old, and he started on his journey. <laughs> At 99, he's fulfilling the will of God. Uh, Joshua and Caleb in their 80s, fulfilling the will of God. It doesn't matter what your age is, you just never stop. 
And if you'll ask him this morning to reveal to you it even further in the time you're at, I believe he's going to begin to do that. So let me pray for you. Father, I thank you this morning just for the whole direction that you're leading the service and leading us into your word and helping us to understand it and, Father, to have the eyes of our understanding opened. That today, Father, that uh, as we ask you, you said if, if we ask, we would receive. As we ask you, uh, Lord, for uh, your un- the understanding of your will and purpose for our life, I pray for every person in here that the, the veil would be taken up just a little bit further and they would see that great plan that you have for them. And none of us would wander aimlessly, Father, in this lifetime, wasting our lives. But, Father, we would, uh, Lord, jump in and enjoy the perfect, acceptable will of God as you have it for each and every one of us. And I pray even the specifics of how you made each one here today with the skills and the talents and the abilities. You made them with such a pleasure in mind to utilize that to reveal yourself to the world. God, that every one of us would tap into that and we would no longer wrestle and struggle with this, but our hearts would be changed and we would run after you. God, we love you with all of our heart. Just pray your favor and blessing, God, over your word, over your seed today. Let it sink in, in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen.